So how does a book make it from audio to print in the Sprout Sweaters world? Welcome aboard Sprout One, I'm your host Dave Algio, Chief Sprout Sweater. Get your reading glasses out and dive into a world of books packed with insights and learning to help you set your mind straight on what you expect from it in the future. It's episode 15, the five audiobooks that have made it into my print book collection. As we lift off the pad and before we get into the episode, don't forget... If you find that the demands of life and the meaning of it all is leading you to sleepless nights, tossing and turning, deep and not so deep questions rattling around your head, then hop on over to SproutSweater.com to gain access to my free Operation Snooze Sleep Improvement Audio Program. Start getting your head back and your shit together so that you can start getting life back on your terms. SproutSweater.com Well, after a bunch of episodes, I thought it might be good to share with you some of the books that have influenced me over the last year or so. These books don't represent the sum total of my research and reading, which can get pretty deep and into the weeds, but they do capture really well some of the principles of the Sprout Sweater. Now, I use my Audible account. I pay that $7.99 a month for one book credit, and month on month, I switch between fiction and self-development. And I use my listening when listening to self-development stuff as a bit of a filter, really. Often what I'll do is I'll come across a book through research or a particular author or via a recommendation and listen to it. And I've learned loads. But not all books make it from audio into print for me. My criteria? Well... They have to be engaging, I guess, enough to stick with them. I guess that's a given. Uh, But the main reason I find myself getting the print version is because I see that there's work I can do with the models, the strategies, the tips, or the questions in the books. So I find the audiobook has to, it has to satisfy the following criteria. One, is it engaging? It's given because to be fair, I wouldn't stick with a book if it's not. Two, is it, is the content credible and research based and or from a credible person with years in the trenches, so to speak. So maybe a clinician, for example. Uh, three, is there something in there that I can use or I need to get my hands on, if so to speak, to use it to tweak it or apply in my own life and that of my clients? And four, do I need to have the book so I can refer back more easily and or write notes on it and, and comments in it? And that's basically it. And today, what I thought I'd do, I'll share you five books that have made the cut and that I feel would be most helpful to you if you are a fellow sprout sweater or aspiring to get better at sprout sweating. So here we go, the five books. The first one, Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. And the full title, Tiny Habits, The Small Changes That Change Everything, um, is a great book. Now, just, just as a quick side note, just for all of these five books, you will find the details um, links, uh, picture of the book, uh, and what have you in the show notes. So if you can't find them yourself, the, the links are there to take you to them. But this book, Tiny Habits, The Small Changes That Change Everything by BJ Fogg. Now, for me, this book is something that really I've only, I've only just come across, but could have done with reading years ago. Or is that true? Possibly more that at the time of reading this year, it has helped bring into a coherent focus, what I've been talking about all this time. It's classic Sprout territory. I I, I have referred to BJ Fogg's um, work in previous episodes, but in a Sprout 
in a, in a small bite-sized chunk. This book encapsulates the research and out of the research, some tactics, tools, and tips on how we can shape new habits by harnessing the power of the small and by building them onto existing rituals and behaviours that we already have in our day. And I guess it, it kind of breaks down to, well, what habit are we wanting to introduce? And getting clear on our why. How then can we shrink that habit down into the smallest size possible? And then how do we tag it onto something that we already do? So the classic thing is, you know, I want to learn how to do press-ups or get better at press-ups. And well, I brush my teeth every day. So I don't know when I put that toothbrush down, I get down on the floor and I do one press-up from my knees because I'm not so good at them just yet. And I'm, I've scaled it right down. So it's that kind of thing. So how do we shrink it down and tag it onto a behavior? But he builds in some additional research around the importance of celebration, celebrating every time you've completed the habit. Rehearsal, how rehearsal is important and not just trusting that because you've tagged it on, you will remember to do it right from the off. And and then how do we build and expand upon it as we go? And for me, th this is, <laughs> you can tell I'm excited about it. This is sprout sweating. This is the classic sprout sweating. It's about saying, right, I do need to make some changes in my life. And yes, I might have some big things to work towards, but I can do it by getting some consistent habits embedded in my day-to-day -day life. And those consistent habits can start small because I've got a lot on my plate and a lot going around my head. I don't want to cram an extra stress in there. So I start small. I start with a sprout-sized habit. Love it. So that's tiny habits of small changes that change everything. The next book, Transcend, The New Science of Self-Actualization by Scott Barry Kaufman. And again, the links are in the show notes. I love this book. And Again, it's a book that I think I've been looking for for a while because I've, in my journey in self-development, in speaking, training, running workshops, I often say that it's not about the stress and that we, we don't, nobody wants to really manage stress. And for me, it's about how do I deal with the negative stresses and strains, harness the positive so that I can get on with achieving more, living a fulfilled and full, meaningful life. And this book is... It, it, Scott Barry Kaufman is a well-established researcher, lots of um, accolades to his name. And what he did in this book was go back and revisit the work of Abraham Maslow. Now, for many of you, you'll know that name. You'll know the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And often we can kind of label as that's Maslow and that's his work. But actually, A, the, the hierarchy of needs was never a pyramid in Maslow's original work. That was something that management gurus in the 60s and 70s kind of introduced to sort of illustrate it and oversimplify it and really rob it of its, its real richness in terms of his work. But what Scott Barry Kaufman did in this work is he explored not just that hierarchy of needs, but all of Maslow's ex essays, his presentations and his books and, and the wider picture and really got to know the person Abraham Maslow and really got into his into his mind and for me it's a wonderful book that does that but also brings out some of the key elements that building and combining with latest research latest thinking on this really brings back um, the the human aspect of psychology into something that for me is what it's all about I mean why do we need to manage stress what's the point of getting fitter and healthier and better and better if it's not in within a container and a context of something bigger 
And that's what the self-actualization is about. And one of the phrases that I loved that uh, Kaufman picked out from Maslow's work is that he used different phrases for this self-actualization, which if you know the pyramid is at the top of the so-called uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid. But he used different phrases. And one of them is to just be more fully human. And I love that because that in essence is what it's about. We are living a life, working towards, striving for, bringing up families, having friendships, relationships, and and driving ourselves, but in relation to what? What is the bigger picture? And for me, that being more fully human is something that's complementary to my own way of thinking and, and living. It's that I don't want to rule the world, don't want to be a massive billionaire, you know, all of those kinds of things that is often associated with self-development and success. But what I do want to do is be more fully human, to tap into what it means to be human physically, emotionally, psychologically, and to make the best of it, to maximise my potential, to achieve what I really want to achieve, but to have it within that context of that being fully human. So I re again, I love the book, and you can tell I'm enthusiastic about it. Really great book that it explores that. Third book, um, Mindless Eating by Brian Wansing, Professor Brian Wansing. And I'm going to dig out the links of an interview that I did with Professor Brian Wansing from Cornell University in, in America several years ago. The connection wasn't great, so the interview does break up in terms of the audio, but I will put the link in the, in the show notes. This book, for me, is a counterintuitive book regarding eating because so much of how we are we frame diet, eating, and changing our eating behavior is focused on being mindful of what we eat. And yeah, okay, that's fine. Being a little bit more mindful can be useful. But as we know from diets, the vast majority of diets don't work in, for so many reasons. And what Professor Brian Wansing, who is an eating behavior researcher, pulls together in this book um, is his research at, from his eating his, his food lab in, in Cornell University. The research that shows how we can mindlessly eat both overeat and undereat. And he pulls out a bunch of strategies and uh, tactics that we can use to harness the power of mindlessness so that we can more mind mindlessly undereat or eat less than what tends to be the case nowadays, mindlessly overeat because there are so many triggers and so much more many things available. And some brilliant tactics and strategies in there. And I may well focus an episode actually on that in, in due course as we go forward. Um, so I won't steal the thunder of the book, but there are some great ones such as setting yourself food policies, little rules um, around um, small rules that, that will help you mitigate or manage down when you might be overeating certain things um, and what have you, some, some great strategies in there. Next one, um, it's on the productivity side and it's Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity by David Allen. Now, this is a book that I approached so several years ago and not really expected much. I thought, oh, it's just another time management book. But I found it really, really did have an impact because yes, there are approaches, there are tactics and processes in there, but at its heart, it's about a mindset shift and about how we view the stuff we need to do or the stuff that is on our mind. And I've used this phrase in episode seven. It's it's my phrase that I've distorted from David Allen's work, but I, I can encapsulate really the, the principle of the book is that what is on your mind has your mind. So how do we get it off our mind so that we can use our mind for what is best, it's best equipped to do, which is, be in the moment with practice, be, be focused and productive and getting things done, creative and problem solving. 
And those things can often get cluttered out by being preoccupied with the things that are on our mind. And the getting things done, principle underlying that is to get it off our mind, into an extended mind, if you like, into a journal, a to-do list, and those kinds of things. So there are lots of tips and tactics on there. And one of the big shifts for me, and I've recently revisited the book, so I am doubling down on other areas of GTD, which is what getting things done is shortened to. But for me, the biggest impact in my life when I first read it was the first stage of the GTD process, which is capture. And the capture process is all about capturing everything you have to do or everything that is on your mind into and onto something outside of your mind that is reliable. And for David Allen, he might say a piece of paper for everything you need to do or a to-do list or what have you. But capturing stuff so that it doesn't stay on your mind and plague you or or distract you. That for me was a game changer in terms of my productivity. Really recommend the book. It can start off very corporate if you if you read it, if you're not from a corporate background, but stick with it and see how you can apply it in your own world of work and life. And the final book is... It's a book that I would say, I'm going to put the caveat here, that it's for me, it's a work in progress. Not the book itself, but how I am working and developing it. It's The Craving Mind, From Cigarettes to Smartphones to Love, Why We Get Hooked and How We Can Break Bad Habits. That's a mouthful of a, a title. And it's by the author Judson Brewer. And I really enjoyed the book. Really engaging book, dealing with how we get hooked on habits, hooked in our habits and and unhelpful habits in particular those bad habits how they can be compulsive and we can get dragged away with them I guess effectively and this is where I I find it it's potentially a complement to the tiny habits book so I'm I've it's transferred from the audio to the to the print book so I can work with it I found it really promising I find that Judson's work focusing on the thoughts uh and habits and his thinking around it is compelling. His approach to changing and breaking bad habits is compelling. Um, and his perspective on using mindful practice is also something I'm enthusiastic about. But as I said, I do need to do some work with this and read more widely and test out the strategies for myself. So I'm giving you this one as a book for me that it has made it to paperback, but it's still a work in progress for me in terms of how I'm going to apply it. How do I test it out? But I'm excited about it because it's actually about how do we work towards breaking those problematic and compelling habits and build in the ability to then switch into building some more positive tiny habits. As I said, a compliment to the BJ Fogg uh, Tiny Habits book. So as I said, I enjoyed the book. I'm enjoying working with it now, but it is a work in progress. So I'll, I'll no doubt report back on this, but I did feel it was worthy putting into my top five here um, for now. I've got a bunch of other books, but I'm not going to I'm not going to overwhelm you with those. Um, so there you have it. That's my five books. The uh, I'll just quickly run through them. The Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, Transcend by Scott Barry Kaufman, Mindless Eating by Professor Brian Wansing, Getting Things Done by David Allen and The Craving Mind by Judson Brewer. As I said, I've got all the details in the show notes. They're the ones that have made it from audio to print. Let me know what you think. Have you had a similar, do you have a similar process? What books have made the, uh, an impact on you? Get in touch with me with any of your ideas, your thoughts, your recommendations at dave at sproutsweater.com. And please consider popping over to iTunes and leaving me a five-star rating. It all helps get their podcast more widely shared. <laughs> So as our craft Sprout One begins the landing process, allowing you to return to your fellow humans, think about one book that has really had a big positive impact in your life. 
Is it time to reread it? Or what one of my top five books took your fancy? Grab a copy and get reading. Take care. I hope you've enjoyed your flight aboard Sprout One. For show notes and information on how to get the podcast feed direct to your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other favourite podcast feed, visit SproutSweater.com. And touchdown.